0: If you're listening to this podcast in real time, you may or may not know that we're both celebrating our podcast launch and the launch of our brand new Mumsafe Trainer offering. If you're a trainer that works with mums and wants to be known as the go-to trainer for mums in your area, you need to head to wwwgendugardcom forward slash Mumsafe Trainer and find out more. I'll see you there welcome to the mum safe movement podcast i'm your host jen dugard i'm so excited that you're here and now part of this very important movement for change in the way mums are looked after in the fitness industry in 2020 4.35 million women use our gyms and fitness facilities in comparison to 3.5 million men Further to this, in 2016, the ABS reported that 77% of women over the age of 15 in Australia would become mothers. This is 3.35 million mothers or 42.7% of a personal trainer's potential clientele. Yet our fitness certificates don't teach us enough and mums themselves receive very little, if any, education about how to move safely and effectively. I am here to change that. This podcast is an accumulation of over 16 years in the fitness industry, a decade working face-to-face with mums themselves and teaching thousands of trainers in my Safe Return to Exercise certification. And most recently, bringing mums and trainers together around the Mumsafe brand. This podcast is the next step into raising our voices and bringing mums and the trainers that work with them into the arena to achieve our mission of safe and effective exercise for women at every stage of motherhood. Let's dive in. Okay so that's the
1: kind of early years of Body Beyond Baby. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how Body Beyond Baby became a toddler? (laughs) If I keep on with the analogy like how did that next step go?
0: So where did we go? I made a bunch of mistakes. Like I, I thought that I wanted to license or franchise Body Beyond Baby. Um, I thought that I wanted to grow it to more locations with contractors. I knew I knew I like step like I'd done a business um, in two thousand. I think it was two thousand and thirteen. I did a um, it's a business kind of course called key person of influence so that mm-hmm. that really built on my awareness that I wanted to be the go-to person for mums in the east but then I wanted to start going beyond that um and I wrote a book called how to love your body as much as your baby um just as you do as you just write a book
1: while raising children while running a business yep
0: plenty of people do it <laughs> Side note, I got up at 3 a.m. for 30 days to write the book. But anyway, you can do anything for 30 days, right? I don't advise doing that very often. But so, yeah, I thought I wanted to I, I wanted to have the McDonald's of mum-focused fitness businesses. Yeah. And I, I look at back at some of the procedures and policies and things. I had scripts. Yeah. All the people that worked for me, I had scripts. They had to say the right words. If they didn't say the right words, I'd mark them out of 10 as to how many words they got right. Was this right. trainers who were this running the sessions? This was my trainers sessions? that didn't. They okay. were my contractors. So I I knew that I needed systems and I knew that it needs to work properly and I knew all of that stuff. Then I... it sounds exhausting. It's not exhausting when it's like, well, I I want to achieve this thing, right? So you put all the things into place to to make that happen. But but throughout the journey, there was a couple of things that happened. Like one, I started to try and step out of the business to work on the business more. Now, you know, back then I was very ego-driven. So if I have lots of trainers and lots of locations i must be successful you know when yeah. people when you say when people say oh you're not working in the business anymore you're like no i'm working on the business and i've got this 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 and this the downside to that is you're still putting the bums on seats you're still doing everything in the background you're just not showing up to deliver the session but the delivery of the session is where you get paid so yeah. if you've now got somebody delivering your session and even if they're not getting paid what you were getting paid yourself when you did everything You're definitely not getting paid as much as you were when you were doing it yourself. And I know that there's people want to grow businesses, and I'm I'm very aware of guiding people as to what is right or wrong or what they could or should or whatever may do. But for me, I ended up in a situation where my business was turning over a couple of hundred thousand dollars, all this money coming in. I was not delivering pretty much any of the sessions. So one you lose contact with your clients. Mm. Two, there's a much bigger burn, like churn of clients coming through because the the contractors don't care as much as you. They're not maintaining the relationships. Not maintaining the relationships, mm-hmm. not bringing clients in. So if they were bringing clients in, and you've, if you've got a contractor that's bringing people in, keep hold of that person. And also they weren't driven. So if I think back to my fitness first days, I was, I put some of my contractors on a sliding scale um, so that what, but. The mistake I made was, well, when your classes are full, you get paid this much, but it wasn't when you bring those people into the class. So mm-hmm. I was filling up my classes, paying them the, the top yeah. the top amount of money. Then the clients would leave. Then I'd put more people in, pay them the top amount of money. And then there's very little left for me at the end. So I think I went two years where my turnover was over $200,000 and I took home about $14,000 in my tax return.
1: Wow.
0: And you were working- Fuck, more like a than lot. full
1: time. I remember that time. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, dumb, so silly that I had to learn that two years in a row. But so there started to become this awareness of well, if I'm not delivering my business, I want to do it different. So that's when I went down the road of licensing or franchising. I spent a lot of money um, getting a license pack ready to to get out into the world. I spent money on um, carving up the country to turn it into territories Mm. and the person that I wanted, she's still one of our, she's one of our safe trainers today and I wanted, I really wanted her to be my first licensee and we got to the end of this big conversation and she just basically went, Jen, I want to do what you do and I want to know what you know, but I want to grow my own thing. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. But also at the same time, I was having this shit show of managing contractors, not earning any money. So I was like, well, do I fucking even want licensees? Do I want to go down that road? And I did a, um, I was at the Women's Health and Fitness Summit in Melbourne and there was a woman there. This is a couple of years later, but it all connects, the dots all connect, called Molly Galbraith. Um, She runs a business called Girls Gone Strong in America. And something that she said on that day was, build a table big enough for everyone and and this was through a time where I think you know the the affiliates and and we can get into that and we'd already started doing that and I'd already discount like got rid of the licensing but I was still trying to give people little pockets of the country to to work in and what I realized by doing that was that I was one creating competition Mm. between people which I don't believe in like one of my biggest like mottos or values is collaboration over competition. And I was saying there's a maximum capacity of trainers that I can work with. So the table is only so big. Yeah. So if I merge all those couple of years together and go, I had someone telling me that they wanted to know everything that I wanted, that I knew, but they wanted to build their own thing. I didn't, didn't want to manage people, didn't really want to work with contractors, and I didn't want to build a table that only had X amount of seats then I started to think about other ways that I could reach trainers and first came safe return to exercise which is the certification and then came the body beyond baby affiliate team which is now safe. okay (laughs) and somewhere in there you had your second child Yeah, before that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was still when Body Beyond Baby, you were in the park. Yeah. You You were still like running the sessions.
0: Yeah. And I took six months off when I had India. I knew that I didn't. Actually, I mean, I I started working when Mali was three months old because it was easy, but I knew I wanted to take six months off when I had India. I do remember writing a program in labor though, just thinking I've, I've got to write this program for this person before I have a baby. And I had a contract to work for me and this was probably why I had so many like scripts and things because this contract was amazing in that she gave me six months off but she taught my clients things in ways that I didn't teach them yeah so that was a really big learning for me to go well if I want to put someone into my business and I don't want them to do it like I want them to bring their spark and their personality but I don't want them to contradict the things that I'm saying in the way that I'm saying them so that's where all that kind of procedure Mm -hmm. writing and script writing came from. It's like a control um, measure. Well, you have to, yeah. right? You can't go to one McDonald's and buy a burger and get, walk in another one. And it looks like a fucking sandwich, can you? Like, <laughs> You'd be like, this is not McDonald's or which one is McDonald's, like which one's the right way? Yeah. And I think that's a really good, you know, takeaway for anyone that's wanting to build a business that's not just in one location is that you need consistency. Yeah. Or even is in one location, but you're bringing new people in there. There has to be consistency and, and ways that things get done properly. Hmm
1: yeah I guess um in that time period that's how I met you was I rocked up with my second son who was born end of 2010 yeah and I think I started training with you like March 2011
0: yeah so you must have started training as I came back because India and Archie are the same kind of age and yeah yeah
1: and that's where I remember much like you said like I was at one of those early childhood motherhood group sessions you didn't come along and like you know do a sales pitch but there was another mum there who was like oh I went to like a free session at Centennial Park and they have nannies and they look after your baby and you can go and exercise for 45 minutes with other mums she come along and get a free session so like a <laughs> whole heap of us at this like early childhood mother group you know where you just sit around just being like oh what's happening in my life <laughs> why is he crying all that stuff we went to centennial park and it became like such a consistent part of my life like twice a week met up there met up with the girls it became like a social thing it became like our mum's group that moved on to that and then we'd go for coffee afterwards did that for years and that's how i met you yep um and i know you kind of said like round about that time that must have been when you'd already started like exploring stuff with joe and because i just remember it was like the first exercise that i'd ever done where anybody asked me about my childbirth experience where anyone asked me if my pelvic floor was okay where someone talked about pelvic floor exercises um transverse (laughs) abdominus muscles and stuck fingers in my stomach and you know that was just like completely eye opening to me and i think you were the first person that ever asked me any of those questions and that was including health professionals like your six week checkup mm. with a doctor, all that kind of stuff. None of it.
0: Well, that's good. Cause that was a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So that's like, you know, it would seem to me fairly quickly. Yeah, I did. It was quick that you made those changes and implemented them across the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be in 2011.
0: Yeah. yeah. I reckon I started working with Joe straight away. Yeah, like 2000 might've been 2009, 2010 max, but it was before India was born. Yeah. Yep. Okay
1: yeah and then i don't even think i had a gap like i think actually yeah and then i came back you must have had a bit <laughs> yeah no i did i did have a gap because i know i didn't dream with you when i was pregnant with my third with tabby but i came back after i'd had tabitha and then i was coming back with archer and tabitha
0: yeah <laughs>
1: for mainly for the sanity of having a nanny that would give me an hour
0: you used <laughs> twice a having, week We used to rock up on a saturday with all three of them yeah for the the mad fitness challenges yeah <laughs> But it was always, you were always one of those examples of like, if, if, and I said again, like back then it's like, well, if Sarah can do it, everyone can do it. And then now I go, but Sarah could do it and you could have one child and not be able to do it. And that's yeah. okay.
1: Mm.
0: But back then it was like, well, if she can do it, you can all do it. <laughs>
1: yeah. no, uh, well, I guess, you know, the Saturday sessions were usually when we were training for like one of those, um what was it called the stampede or like any of those like the mud mud runs like the tough mums that was the Saturday class wasn't it yeah and that was long into my journey yeah like I can honestly say the fittest I've ever been in my whole life pre or post any other babies was after I had Tabitha in 2012 training with you.
0: Well, you were, you needed to pass physicals to get back into army, right? Oh,
1: just to join the army. Yeah. Yeah. That was my preparation. And we did that.
0: And I remember you having to do sit-ups and it's like, look, we can do them. It's not, I wouldn't advise you doing it Mm. under any other circumstance and here are the things that we're going to do first before you do that with that awareness that you have to pass that test.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah blast from the past I know right
0: <laughs>
1: yeah here I am again having another one Yes. <laughs> okay so well we talked about India yeah um, and that was your second pregnancy yeah and was completely different as I know from your experience with Marlene mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about that pregnancy that birth that kind of
0: yeah motherhood I don't... second round (laughs) yeah the one where I thought I had it all together and then quickly was brought down back to back to earth where I didn't have it all together I don't remember the pregnancy being too different Mm. but I do definitely know that the postpartum period was different yeah I I still to this day don't know I think when you have a second child no one tells you that you don't go in with the same reserves as the first one Mm. which is should be fucking common sense right you're already sleep deprived you're running around after a toddler it's not going to be the same as the first one yeah but you don't realize how different it's going to be and then the other thing I realized was that I did not know how to put children to sleep
1: (laughs) I I wasn't the
0: amazing mom that I thought I was (laughs)
1: You are the amazing but you, know what you, I know, mean. you didn't have the magical
0: power of No, sleeping. and I promptly went back to my mother's group and was like, I'm so sorry if I tried to tell any of you guys that I knew what to do because clearly I don't. My son is a sleeper, my daughter is not. <laughs> uh And the other thing for me was I, because I'd i been aware of postnatal depression after Marley was born and then it didn't happen, I was completely caught off guard the second time around when it did happen. Hmm. So I think I took away that from that personally when I'm working with any woman is every pregnancy is different, every birth experience is different, every motherhood experience is different, and child. every child is <laughs> fucking different. And sometimes you layer this layer of judgment on yourself when it's the second time because you feel like you should know what to do even though you still don't know what to do and you're still guessing because it's different. Yeah. So she did not sleep ever. Like she. I don't think she slept a full night. We didn't have a full night's sleep until she was 18 months old, and I think that that's because we shipped her off somewhere for a night. Right. But she was what the paediatrician called a overstimulated child, and I also remember being told to stay in a dark room with her for three days. Um, so I did. healthy. Okay. Like this child needs to be not stimulated anymore no shopping centers no whatever blah 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 stay in a room for three days so I probably just took the break and just went, whatever I was so tired but that was like that period of um exhaustion postnatal depression like they're the times when I look back and I just go thank goodness like I had a good support around me because you know when you hear about people losing like I remember like wanting to throw her across a room mm. like and and putting her on the bed and Ben like quickly coming in and and being with her but you know for women that don't have that support system and they're doing it on their own yeah. then it's it's yeah it's not a good you get how things can go rapidly wrong yeah yeah okay so your
1: postnatal depression um did when did you become aware that you actually had it because I feel like you know you because you had the awareness of it being a potential thing Mm. for you with your history with Marley that potentially you put things in place throughout your pregnancy in the early stages of him to be more aware of I think I was just 27 and just didn't know shit (laughs) all right so you're just totally ignorant in the first one (laughs) the second one you assumed it wasn't going to happen to you because you hadn't had it before
0: and I was super mum
1: yeah Running your own business, like living that world, you were in charge of like all your oh you had all your ducks in a row everything yep. was going well, but then you had the baby that didn't sleep and your mood started to tank. Like, yeah, do you remember when you realized there was something more
0: going on? I don't. I don't know that I remember realizing. I know my mum came out to help. I, I think Indy was a year old, maybe maybe a bit younger, um, and I just remember needing some extra support. Mm. Um, I remember putting both kids in the bath fully clothed. Um, <laughs> That's one we just. To get washed too. <laughs> I yeah I I don't honestly can't remember a specific time except from her birth onwards. Life was just hard, mm. and I don't. I remember the. You know, I don't feel it anymore. And now that now I know what it was, like that just complete depletion of energy, like that just overwhelming sadness. Like I didn't have any, like I I have suffered anxiety in my life, but at that time it wasn't an yeah. anxiety thing. Um, I just yeah, it was just really fucking hard. And a lot of tears yeah. <laughs> from everybody. <laughs> and you were still running a business then yeah, and I part of me feels like through that time, the part of like the running the business kind of kept me going. yeah, there was there's been times later on where I wanted to walk away from the business because of what I was experiencing from an anxiety perspective. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I compartmentalized my worlds and I went out, and i I was. I actually was still doing early morning PT and I went out in the morning so I would get up from from her being about six eight months old I'd get up early go to work do what I needed to do and that was the way I coached because I didn't have my kids in the morning yeah some like we had au pairs for a while and then my mum mum was mum came over later on permanently but I coped with my world because I could go and be me from 6 a.m. till lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And that's kind of a pattern you've still kind of kept, isn't it? Like you exercise in the morning. Yeah. To try and start your day.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I put it back now. Like I lost it for a while. And, and you know, when we, we talk about the end of, you know, Body Beyond Baby in that iteration, part of the reason for me selling the business was because, or first, I stopped doing early morning PT because it was out of alignment with what my children needed from me at, at, in the mornings. And, and it was really fucking cold. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I remember us having conversations about moving to Bali. Like we were both moving to Bali, and I was moving because it's so cold in Sydney. And then I was like, maybe I just need to not stand outside in winter anymore. At six am. At six am. Any time. But yeah, I, I eventually sold the business because. I couldn't be what I needed to be for my children mm. having come out of that postnatal depression kind of time, but there was still a lot of shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's interesting because knowing you now and how you live your personal life and your business life and then comparing it to what you said then, which I think you said the word segmenting. Yeah. So you as a coping mechanism, maybe with postnatal depression, you very much segmented your personal time, your business time and your family time. And then ultimately that didn't work anymore, which led to you selling the business, starting all these other businesses <laughs> and integrating all of it. So you've kind of gone on the sliding scale.
0: Do you yeah. want to talk
1: a little bit about like that segmentation of the business and the personal and the family? Yeah. And then why it changed?
0: I think I lost a lot of identity. I, although I was saying before that I didn't, you know, becoming a mum was easy. I think after India was born, I definitely lost with Marley, it was easy and I had my identity. I got my body back and I had my identity. Yes, you did get yeah. it back. <laughs> of course I did. Um, and then Indy came along and everything was harder. And I definitely started segmenting. I was like, had so many, you know, business goals that were wrapped up in ego and finances. Um, and segmenting my business world was so easy. Like I could figure out where the children were going to be and I could go run my business and be the fitness professional and be, and, you know, build that, be the go-to fit pro for mums. And it's funny that you say segmenting and you said personal life, family. It's like there was the kids, there was the business, there was my training, there was my friends and there was not room for my relationship.
1: Mm. We're going there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay yeah because yeah that was a lot of change that whole period mm. you know coming out of postnatal depression and all the changes you were making in body beyond baby and then all the changes you were making in yourself because you were also on a personal kind of development journey I mean you always have been but I think that's from knowing you I think that's when you really threw yourself into it um and then there was a marriage breakdown at the same time yeah there was a lot, a yeah. lot going on busy time yeah. That's really when we bonded, I think, over <laughs> our single parenting journeys. Uh, yeah, the holidays.
0: <laughs> and we were like, two mums do this way better than a mum and a dad. <laughs> or maybe just
1: the dads of our children at that point and who they were then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or me, like, I just, I think I was so driven to not ever need anyone that I set them up for failure. Mm. And I, I, I talk about, I used to talk about it more cause it was more relevant cause it was timely relevant. Mm. But whenever I talk about um, the period that Ben and I spent apart, I have this huge awareness that I can only share from my perspective. And I try not to ever um, share his story cause it's not mine to share. And I actually yeah. don't know his story. Like yeah. I know what he's told me, but I don't know his story. But I, you know, my parents separated when I was younger I think a big part of not, you know, yes, there was all the stuff going on with Indy and it left very little time for us as a couple. But I also think that I saw my mum not struggle but not have choices because of the situation. Like my dad was always in control of the money. It's like he said yes or no. Mm -hmm. Even as kids, like we would ask for something and nine times out of ten he'd say no first Um, and then he might come back and say yes. Or I knew that if I wanted to ask for something, I needed to put a case together. And it was like that a business Business, business presentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I knew that I never wanted to be in a situation where I couldn't do what I wanted to do based upon a man. Unfortunately for Ben, I didn't consult him in that. Okay. <laughs> I just decided that I was going to earn my money and I was dedicated to growing my business and never being in a position where if it was like it was almost like well if you leave I'll be fine so I'll set myself up for when you're going to leave just in case you do but then there's like this self-fulfilling prophecy right definitely and I remember him saying to me once you make it really hard for me to look after you I don't know and I was there you know the no one can carry my shopping, no one opens this, no one does that. Like I'll pay for my own things and yeah. all that shit that we do. And I, I think a lot of women still do that. Well, that's very much you in your masculine space, isn't it? Yeah. Like leaving no
1: space for your actual man. Yeah. To fill his masculine needs. Yeah. Yep. Mm. That's a wall. We'll pass that, <laughs> we'll that one.
0: Later. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, yeah. So the segmentation then mm. where you pretty much, dealt with the kids dealt with your business dealt with your mental health your personal training all that kind of stuff marriage breakdown happy ending happy ending (laughs) I think (laughs) in that there was a period of separation but then yeah reuniting but during that whole period that's kind of when you built or evolved let's say Mm. the business that you have now where from the outside looking in, it is very much values-based, work-life balance-based, family-focused. You are making your business fit around your family rather than making your family fit around your business. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about how those steps came about, like how you made that transition? Because I'm sure there are a whole heap of people that would love to know
0: how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know there are because I help them do that. There you go. (laughs) I think... Well, one I had a, you know, despite having postnatal depression and all of those things, which you can come out the other end, um, we had a period of time, and maybe still in some or many ways, where Indy doesn't didn't want to just go go after school. Yeah, so that very quickly became this. You know, I stopped doing early morning PT because the first realization was, oh my goodness, my kids are never going to grow up with me taking them to school. Mm. And I wanted to start doing that in primary school. So I think it was, he was in year two, Molly was in year four. And I put all the things into place so that I could stop doing my mornings, early mornings, and just have my park session. So start at 9 yep. 15, which meant I could drop them at school at 8 45, drive to Centennial Park, and, and do that. So that worked well for a while. Then I started to struggle dropping into at school. She didn't want to just go. And I I was like almost shoving her through the gates of the school. Or some days I would, she'd end up coming to the park with me because she would just stand by my car and be like, shit, what do I do now? So she would come to the park, which was probably the best thing for her being in nature. And then I would drive her back to school, back to school at lunchtime. But I started to realize that even even though I'd created this business that was inside of school hours, it wasn't working for me and for her, therefore it wasn't working for our family. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think about what, what was going to be next. And I always have this ability, or I guess it is an ability, to think about where I want to be in five years' time, but to start that process of where I want to be in five years, five years earlier so you know that that came out of necessity in a way yep. but i started then this you know year to two year process of i need to sell this business i need to stop having to be somewhere at 9:15 in the morning and I would talk to the kids about it and 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 to Indy and say, look, I understand, like I need to be there, and this is what I'm doing, and, and give me a year. And nothing happens overnight. And this is yeah. when when you were saying before about this people, I'm sure that's people out there yeah. running businesses that are out of alignment with their whole life values. There are. And, and the thing that we need to understand is, you know, some people may have the luxury and the financial backing or whatever, just to go, I'm gonna stop doing this thing now most of us have to go through this period of going, well, that's where I wanna get to. And these are the things that need to change. And how am I gonna put those things in place to change that? So I think I'd already started running my course, Safe Return to Exercise, but what I knew was in order to stop being the trainer in the park, running the group training business, I had to increase my income from Safe Return to Exercise to a point where it was just below where the park was, then find someone to to buy that like I didn't want to just I probably would have walked away in the end, but I didn't want to. Like I wanted that to go on and mums to still be looked after in that that space. And then to take that leap of faith when you've built something up and then you know that you've you can't take the next step until you create the space. Um so that's what I what I did and and every decision since then including the decision to not license or franchise has been built upon what what effect will this have not only on my financial income and financial well-being and and whatever freedom if that's what you want to call it but on my children and on my relationship and on my health and well-being and on my mental health and on my you know all of the things that you put into your your life yeah. areas I
1: would just like to say one thing, which is your body beyond baby. You said at the beginning, you know, it was like very much about getting your body back. Mm. I feel like body beyond baby evolved into, it's more about the, your body. Uh, sorry, <laughs> evolved into this journey is more about your body. Like it evolved into look how amazing your body is. Look what it can do. It has birthed another human being. Yep. It nourishes that child. Um, your body is awesome. And like I said to you, I was never fitter than when I trained with you after having three children. So I feel like the ethos of Body burn baby might have started off and mm. alluded to being a bit misguided around, you know, getting back to pre-pregnancy, but it became something so much more. Yeah. Um, and I think the name of the business allows for that too.
0: Yeah. It wasn't back to your body. It yeah, was back to your like. body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: anyway i just it came in my head yeah. when we were talking and i forgot to say it so i wanted to say it
0: now. no um and then so you sold
1: body beyond baby i did and that was huge
0: yeah it took me longer than i thought it was going to and it, i didn't sell it for hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars but i did um i feel like i walked away from it and handed it to somebody that it's actually now in its third iteration of person mm. but i i did sell it yeah, yeah so that was cool it was huge
1: though I remember that period like it was a couple of years where you were going through all the process of trying what to, you find wanted the to right do the right yeah well yeah because it, in a way it was also a baby of yours that you'd grown yeah. until it was what 10 years old yeah maybe? it was 10, 10 years, years pretty
0: much exactly yeah
1: so that was a big deal but exciting because it did like you said it freed up the space for your next step which yeah. was developing safe return to exercise
0: yeah. So I developed, so I say pretend to exercise launched two years before it sold or a year and a bit before we sold. So the end of 2016. Yep. And I developed that because throughout my, I guess, awareness of wanting to reach more mums, I also had an awareness that there wasn't many courses out there for trainers mm. and definitely none that, um, had a bigger focus or have a good focus on the postpartum period which i still stand by today and believe that more women will do damage to their bodies in the postpartum period because we think that you have your sit check and we're fine which again is a whole bigger start doing squat jumps you fine yeah and you feel okay so you must be okay so yeah. You know, that's why it's called Safe Return to Exercise, even though it does cover pregnancy. Mm. And there was a big gap in the market. Like there's a bunch of other awesome courses that have that are now in the market. So there's lots to, for people to go and do, which is really cool because my way is not the only way. And a lot of the trainers that we work with do my course and then they do all the other courses or they do all the other courses and then they do my course, which I love. But yeah, I, get, I guess selling Body Beyond Baby gave me space to go down the road of, of what was then called the Body Beyond Baby Affiliate, but also then to really grow Safe Return to Exercise and, and deliver that to more trainers. So what actually is it? Because it's not um, a fitness
1: course in that you're actually, you know, out in the park teaching mumps. No, no. And it's now just Body Beyond Baby, but called Safe Return to Exercise. You're training the trainers.
0: Yeah, so Safe Return to Exercise is a 16-hour a certification in the pre- and postnatal space so for already qualified for for already qualified personal trainers we do have yeah yeah we have some people that just do it out of interest Mm -hmm. but it is there for qualified pts okay and can you tell me a little bit more about that
1: kind of side of things like that journey yeah I I, I, um you know I mean you just wrote the course the training program
0: (laughs) yeah I didn't really know what I was doing (laughs) I still don't um sometimes, a lot of the time. I also had to overcome this fear of public speaking, which is weird because you spend your whole life standing up in front of people and I would deliver the massive workouts to to big groups of people. And then, you know, I remember the early days of of delivering the course, it was so scary. And there was a few times I was like, I just want the ground to just swallow up and like open up and swallow me now. And I'd go home at the end of every call. A lot of the courses in the early days and cry, thinking that I've just done a really bad job. but what i i was driven by the impact that the course would make so you know if i teach one trainer that one trainer teaches their 10 to 50 mums who then tell their friends mm-hmm. so you know from my desire to want to reach more mums i could do that through teaching trainers
1: yeah yeah so it was a mission driven absolutely business driven yeah 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 okay well, how long have you been teaching safe return to exercise and I know that's gone through a couple of variations and redevelopments and rewrites and Mm. you know you go off and teach it in national international countries so
0: yeah so safe return to exercise has been delivered since 2016 and it's delivered across a few different countries so Australia, New Zealand, Singapore and Taiwan so I have a, a business partner in Taiwan and a I was an interpreter and we now have a local presenter, so that's cool.
1: Very cool. Yeah, nice. So you're global. Well, <laughs> getting there.
0: I could say that.
1: <laughs> Asia Pacific. <laughs> yes, that. All <laughs> right. Um, and so you've also got, you know, just because you know, you are you, you've also got Mum Safe on the goal.
0: Yep. As well. Mum is the evolution of Body Beyond Baby. So when I sold Body Beyond Baby, I retained the brand. And that's when, you know, that, that amazing trainer, Mag, Magdalena, she said, said the thing, like, I want to know what you know and do what you do. So it, that launched me into wanting to mentor. So, yes, let's do safe return to exercise. Let's teach trainers how to work with mums. But, you know, it's also really apparent to me that a lot of trainers don't run great businesses. And I'd made a lot of mistakes and I, I had business awareness and a lot of other trainers have no business awareness, <laughs> and they're struggling. Yeah. Um, and to have the impact that they're capable of, they need to have a great business. So, and I wanted to bring together the people that were leading the way in in the way mums are looked after in the industry. So, you know, I created what was called the Body Beyond Baby Affiliate Team. And, and that existed for a couple of years as it was, it was pretty small, but it was the concept behind it was these are the trainers that are they've done safe return to exercise. They're partnered with the with the women's health physio. They're committed to that ongoing education because within that, within the body Beyond baby affiliate, we would do the ongoing education. Um, and they've got another couple of other boxes. So they're registered with Oz active and they have hold the right insurance. Um, but I just wanted to bring together cool trainers that were all on a mission to make sure all mums are looked after safely and effectively. Mm. So, that's what we did, and then a year ago, we we started calling our Body Beyond Baby affiliates Mum Safe Trainers. So you'd go to the Body Beyond Baby website, and then you'd find a Mum Safe Trainer. And, and in the end, it was right. Like, this is really we, we we've got two brands going on, and yeah. the first one makes no sense yeah. at all. So we made the decision to ditch the Body Beyond Baby brand. Um, Body Beyond Babies is still the name of my company. So it's like it's still there, yep. but we trade as Mum Safe. And Mum Safe is committed to safe and effective exercise for mums at every stage of motherhood. Because yep.
1: once you've had a baby, you're all the mum. Yeah. And it was in the early yeah. days,
0: it really was um, a lot of mums and bubs based businesses. Hmm. And that's where I'd come from. And that makes sense. But you know, the, the more that we evolve and the more trainers that we work with, there's about, there's around 90, 95 trainers now that are mum safe trainers. We, we really listen to what they, what they want, their feedback. And I had some people come to me, really great trainers that I loved working with that said, I just don't feel like I fit here anymore. And it's like, why? I know that you fit. And they're like, well, body beyond baby. Like it's, you know, and it's like, no, like if we want if we want to make sure all mums are looked after safely and effectively it's not all new mums like new mums are always going to be a big part of what we do because there's that education piece that needs to happen straight mm-hmm. away but there's so many mums with older children that are not being looked after and people we just assume that they don't need the support anymore so um the evolution to the mum safe brand and then what mum safe stands for and the fact that it's you know we want CrossFit, CrossFit instructors, we want Pilates instructors, we want yoga teachers, we want swim, aqua instructors, we want personal trainers in the park and personal trainers in the gyms and and letting go of my um, scripts and things like that because I know that not every mum wanted to train in the way that you trained with me in the park. Mm. Lots of mums want lots of different options. So the yeah. more, more trainers we have from more disciplines and more places training mums of all ages and stages the bigger impact we get to have so that's mum safe <laughs> amazing <laughs> okay um and
1: I guess the next thing to look at then is um you've moved into the evolution of you has been in the park at the forefront like actually face-to-face training Yep, mums to stepping away from that to allowing your contractors to train mums, to stepping away from that, to writing a course for other trainers to train mums, to now <laughs> running a coaching business really mm. for Mumsafe trainers and all the diversities of their businesses like you just talked about. So you're four steps back from where you started, not back, but up, I guess, removed from like that yeah. at the forefront. And you're coaching coaches. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that trickle down, which is still informing all the mission stuff of Mum Safe and reaching mums and developing that. But do you want to talk a little bit about that coach space, like where you sit now?
0: I think coaching's interesting. I the more self-aware I, I am, the more aware of. The coaching world and what's ideal and what's not ideal. Um, I guess I, I want to offer our Safe trainers business support and coaching so that they can run businesses that have the biggest impact that they possibly can do both in their like from their values based and also in their community. But I think it's really important to understand what a coach is does or doesn't do, should, and I hate the word should, but should or should not do. And I use it in this in this mm. sense because my role as a coach is not ever to say to someone you should do this. So I should not tell you what you should <laughs> do. <laughs> I can listen to you and I can I can offer you a framework. And I think that's what MumSafe does really well. It gives trainers from all different disciplines a really good framework to build their business, follow some processes, follow the procedures, all of that stuff's in there. But at no step along the way, should I be telling you what is right or wrong? Um, My job is to listen to what you want, where you want to get to, the impact that you want to have, and then offer you guidance on how you could do that. And yes, call you out if like, you know, it's excuse after excuse after excuse. But I guess I truly believe that a coach, we're not there to tell you what to do. Um, And I've had a few, I think I feel quite strongly about it at the moment. I've had a few trainers come to me that previous coaches have said, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. And they've done those things, which has had a financial impact on their business to the point at which they're really struggling. Mm. And I think this is a, a good opportunity to just bring to awareness from trainers. Like, you know, this is the first episode in this podcast or maybe it's part two now because we've been talking for so long but to set the stage and say I've done a lot of stuff but I've not done it all I've made a lot of mistakes I've not made them all I've done a lot of things right and I've, I've seen other people do things right based upon what I've shared with them but my goal is to bring a container of support and guidance for you to have your own experience and to for you to feel supported along the way Mm. so I'm really intrigued in, in the whole coaching space at the moment and going deeper into that from a personal perspective but actually learning more about what I shouldn't do than what I should do probably yeah yeah
1: and I guess you know you spoke earlier about the table you know so rather than having a table now I feel like you've got a horseshoe rather than a closed circle you know you've got space so people can continue to join it because it's yeah yeah as opposed to being closed
0: down yeah Um, and that's really awesome yeah it's interesting I make people stop and reflect all the time on what they've done and I think this conversation is a good opportunity to do the same Thank you so much for being with us for this episode today. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have one more conversation that takes us closer to our goal of safe and effective exercise for all women at every stage of motherhood. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review so more people can join us next time. For further information about anything we've talked about in this episode, head to jendugard.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to connect with me in person, I would love to hear from you over at my Instagram at jendugard. Thank you for your voice in this space. Have a beautiful day.